Well, is anyone excited to be here today? Okay. It's good. It's good. I, uh, listen, uh, I'm so glad you made it. Uh, you showing up today is making a statement. One, potentially, is you're saying, hey, I want to explore God, which is incredible. Uh, for others of you, that is saying that you're here today because God's important to you. And the people around in this room are important to you. And that's just incredible. And the local church is and always will be the hope of the world. And so I'm so glad that you made it today. And uh, I just want to start off by saying, have you ever been driving on the highway? And as you're driving down the highway, someone just right in front of you just decides to just cut over and swerve into your lane, not checking their blind spot and almost running you off the road. Ever happen? Yeah. Someone's like, constantly. I live in Michigan. Uh, now, when that happens, what are some of the phrases that you're saying towards that car? You know, this is church, right? Okay. Um, so maybe one of the statements is, you know, hey, dude, check your blind spot. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't imagine the amount of things that have been said towards me while I'm driving because, I, you know, people say, you know, I'm not the best driver. I swerve all the time and whatever. But it's, it's true. So there's been some probably bad things that have been said about me. I will try to do better. Okay, I promise. Uh, how, how many p- potentially have you been in an accident or something because you weren't checking your blind spots and you just hit someone or, you know, that can happen. I remember last Christmas, I was decorating our South Line location. The, we have a fence and I wanted, we wanted to put greenery around the, the fence and I was backing up my truck and, you know, now the cars are so sophisticated these days, right? Where they have like cameras, that will show you your blind spots. They have beeping sounds that will trigger to say, hey, blind spot. But sometimes I just ignore them. I don't even pay attention to them. And I was paying attention to the fence and I was just reversing and I totally ran into a tree. Literally destroyed the right side of my bumper. I went to check to see if I could get it replaced. It was way too much money. I said, well, I guess I'm stuck with a crunch bumper. And every time I look at my truck and I see the crunch bumper, I'm reminded, Travis, check your blind spots. Turn to the person next to you and say, check your blind spots. Come on, right? Because a lot of times when we think about blind spots, we think about our cars, but come on, we know that in our lives personally, We have blind spots. Sometimes we know what they are. Sometimes we don't know what they are. Sometimes we know what they are, but we don't want to pay attention to them. But let's be honest. Sometimes these blind spots can be frustrating to us and annoying to us. And we know that these blind spots can be frustrating and annoying to the people that are closest to us. And so the goal today is we continue in our Lawbreaker series. We're going to be in John chapter nine, and we're going to see an amazing true story that will help us pull out potentially four blind spots that we might have in our lives. And our goal is to humble ourselves to say, okay, where do I need to check these blind spots? And we're given some, some really good um, uh, solutions, some remedies to help us in those blind spots. So that's the goal. That's our focus today. But I want to pray for us as we dive into God's word. So let's pray together. And so Father, thank you for your word. And I just ask that you would help us to be open, help us to be humble, Teach us, strengthen us, reveal to us um, what we need today. None of us are here for uh, just by accident. We're here for a reason. Please control my mind and pace as we teach through your word. Thank you for guiding it. We love you and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, so grab that journal, grab the Bible, open it up. You know, we always say to write things down. Uh, we say that on purpose because let's be honest, if you were here last week, you don't even remember what I said last week, right? I don't even remember what I said last week, okay? I don't even remember what I said last service, okay? No, anyways. Um, but literally, when you have your journal, right, you open it up and you can remember what happened a month ago. You're like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. And it just helps us on the journey to stay sharp, to keep moving towards God. So write things down. It's important. And so we're going to kick off John chapter 9. We're going to get through the whole chapter, okay? So buckle up. We're going to go through the whole chapter. John chapter 9. So we'll start off in verse 1. Let's turn to the person next to us and say, God's word is a treasure. Just tell that to the person next to you. That is the truth. It is a treasure. Okay, it says this. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus' disciples are asking this question that is a question that people believed back then and still some people believe today is that because of your actions, that is going to get your consequences. But even further is that there's a direct correlation between a person's suffering and their personal sin. So in other words, it's the idea that if bad things are happening to you, it's because you must have done bad things. And I just want you to know that that is not the truth. Uh, Jesus reminds us in Matthew 5, 44 and 45, who's in charge, okay? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Notice, for he makes, one more time, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. It is God who makes the sun rise, and it is God who sends the rain on the just and the unjust. So he's behind it all, okay? Yes, there's consequences for our sins when we do things, right? We, we understand that, but he is above the whole thing, which brings up another problem, the problem of evil. One of the biggest questions that I get and that people do if you do a survey, if you could ask God one thing, what would it be? And in the top three, it's always, if God is so good, why would he allow bad stuff to happen? Why would he allow evil to happen? Now, as I stated earlier, we're going through the entire chapter today of nine. So I don't have time to go into the problem of evil today. We've gone into the problem of evil many times before, but if you are struggling with that, yes, I mean, you're coming in the room and you're seeking, you're like, I just, I want to believe in God, but I'm really struggling because if he's so good, why does he allow this stuff to happen? I, I want to encourage you, write this down, the problem of pain by C.S. Lewis. The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis is a great read, and I think it'll just be fruitful for your mind. It'll be very healthy and helpful as you wrestle through why God allows evil to happen. But what I want to do with our time today on this section is to talk about suffering in a different way. I want us to notice the disciples' attitudes and how Jesus responds to them. Their attitudes is they see a blind man sitting, begging at the gate, and instead of worrying about the blind man and how to care for him, they just wanted to have a conversation about him. Instead of caring for him, they want to have a conversation about him and just missing his suffering, looking over potentially his suffering and getting to be like, well, who's to blame for this? Why is he this way? Why is he that way? And so one of the first blind spots that we might need to check in our lives and in our hearts today, if you're taking notes, write this down, don't be blind to suffering. 
Don't be blind to suffering. So many times we can fall into this trap too, where we can just uh, see someone suffering, but then just look past it and walk the other way. Now we can, I want to look at this from, from two ways. Now you can see this as just as someone, maybe you're walking around downtown somewhere and you see someone on the side of the road, maybe that's homeless or whatever. What are you going to do? You're just going to look at it and move on. Sometimes that's what you need to do. Sometimes you'll feel a prompting that you want to stop and help them and do something. Okay. You know, we have to act on those specific like sufferings that we see literally from a homeless standpoint for those that are literally suffering right there on the street. But I also want to take this suffering to another area. Uh, Today, I want us to ask ourselves the question, because people are suffering with other things that they're wrestling with in their mind. So specifically, what about people in your life that are suffering with discontentment? They're wrestling with it. What about people in their life that are suffering with insecurity? And they're coming to you and they're, they're wrestling and they're suffering with insecurity or they're suffering with anxiety or maybe they're suffering with their pride. They're just suffering with their pride. And sometimes, if you're like me, as you're walking with people through their suffering, sometimes it can be a little annoying. Maybe I'm the only one. But sometimes when you talk to someone about something over and over and over again, you're like, come on. Like, why are you like this? How are you going to get over this? And sometimes you can start to get annoyed and look past their suffering and not deal with their suffering. And God has reminded me and has been teaching me this past year that when it comes to people and the different things that they're suffering with is that instead of me being annoyed by it, to be overjoyed by it. What do you mean? How am I supposed to be overjoyed by this conversation that's annoying me? Instead of being annoyed by people suffering, it's like, why can't they get over this? What's wrong with them? Why can't they grow up? Right? Instead of being annoyed by it, being overjoyed by it. And here's what God's been teaching me. Is that before the beginning of time, God chose you to be put into that person's life. He didn't have to. But God has put you in their life for such a time as this, to do his work, to bring him glory. And sometimes you, you might not be the solution, but he's asking you to be part of the solution. This conversation that you, you're, you're not starting the conversation. You are colliding into a conversation, how God is working in their lives and you get to be part of it. And sometimes you see the fruit and sometimes you don't. But God just has just been reminding me, just, man, don't be annoyed. Embrace it and know that you are, you know, from the beginning of time, God has chosen you to be a part of it. And I just want to take a step back, too, and just say, I am so overwhelmed by how our church family, I see it so much week in and week out, how you, instead of passing over someone's suffering, how you slow down and you lean into people's suffering here as a church family. It's amazing. The stories I hear over and over again of you willing to just sit down with people as they're struggling with this or they're struggling with that thing again and you're willing to just lean in with them. I just, way to be Jesus, church family. Seriously, like, it's incredible. Way to just love people like Jesus and may we just keep doing that as a church family because it's so, so powerful. It's so, so powerful. Then it continues. And, and this is just an, an unbelievable uh, thing that Jesus did and how he did it. It just blows my mind every time I read this. But it says this, having said these things, notice what Jesus does. It says that he spits on the ground 
and he makes mud with his saliva. Okay, this is this is crazy. In, in fact, this past summer I taught on this, and I, if you were here, I brought my daughter London, and I made I put mud all over her face. We're not going to do that again today, uh, but that was fun. Uh, but you know, you got to imagine: did the blind guy like hear him? Like, like did he hear the sound? Did he know what was coming towards him? And then if he would have known, like, would he be allowed it to have? I mean, it's just unbelievable that Jesus decides to do it this way. So he puts this mud saliva on his face. He anoints the man's eyes with the mud. And then he says to him, I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Go wash. Now, scholars go back and forth that where he was at to potentially where the where the pool of Siloam was at was either a half a mile or a quarter of a mile away. So just imagine, I want you all to just close your eyes for a second. Okay, everyone, everyone close your eyes. Imagine right now you getting up, you can't open up your eyes, we put a blindfold on you and you have to get to your car. How would you do? Right? Okay, you can open your eyes. So this is what's, you know, this is what this, this blind man's about to experience. And then it says this, so then he went and he washed and he came back seeing. And what I want us to focus on right here in this moment to bring up our next um, potential blind spot is that so he went. So he went. Now, remember, he didn't have to go. I mean, up to this point, there has been no recorded evidence of anyone being healed from blindness if they were born blind. And so who is this guy? He's doing what to me? He wants me to go and, and, and wash off? I mean, like, and I'm actually going to be able to see again? And then the other thing is, is did he even want to? This kind of blew me away. Um, so this week... I was, um, my, my parents have this farm and, and they, um, it's literally, they do this whole Christmas thing. It's like Santa threw up all over the farm. It's just crazy. And I, I was going to help and I walked in and, uh, there's a gentleman who's been helping my parents for the last probably 30 years tuning their player piano. And I remember watching this man, he's like 70 now when I was 12 years old, tuning their piano. And I was just so mesmerized by how he would just tune the whole thing and fix the whole thing. And the reason why I was so overwhelmed and mesmerized by it is because he was born blind. And I just sit there as a 12-year-old looking at my dad like, how the heck is he doing this? I mean, he's never seen a piano. You know, and, then, and not only is he tuning the piano, he's taking, it's a player piano. So he's taking the mechanisms out of the player piano and fixing the electronics within the piano. Fixing part. And I'm just, my mind has always been blown. I always love getting to run into him. And so sure enough, there he was again. And uh, his driver was there. And I said, you know, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm teaching on John chapter nine where Jesus heals the blind man. He says, well, yeah, why don't you send Jesus down to do a little healing on him? And I said, and then he got up from the piano and he says, you know, I actually don't think I'd want to be healed. He's like, I'm, I'm, I think it'd be too overwhelming for me. And to hear him say that just kind of pushed me back a little bit. We don't know how old this guy was specifically. Maybe he wanted to be healed. I don't know. But the point is, is that he went and he didn't have to go, but he went. And, and, and think about how crazy this must have sounded to him. And so this brings up our, our, our next blind spot check is that, don't be blind to obeying. 
Write that down. Because, right, sometimes, you know, God is going to ask you to do something ridiculous. God is going to ask you to do something that seems so crazy, that seems so out of the box. You want me to do what? Are you sure you want me to, you want me to go and wash mud off my face? And the, like, wait, you want me to do what? You want me to forgive who? After I've owned up to everything that I was supposed to own up for, I've asked God to give me humility, and I feel like I've owned up to everything, but you still want me to forgive them, even though they're not owning up to their side of the things? You want me to still forgive them? What? You want me to tell who about Jesus? I, I, I think about, you know, this Acts 1-8 thing that we've been doing. You know, for our church to do these four initiatives in the year, I mean, it's a, it's, it seems crazy. It's unbelievable what God set before us. I think about the, the generosity stories of people telling me, like, yeah, God was telling me to sell this, to do this, and it's just like, I, it was so hard, but I just knew he was telling me to do it. It seemed crazy. There was a guy this summer who called me, and he said, hey, uh, I know this seems kind of uh, crazy, but uh, what are we doing for Extra Mile this year? I said, uh, well, I think it's this, but I haven't completely finalized it yet. He's like, well, listen, I, I got all this extra you know, cash that came in from my work, and if I, God was telling me I need to give it now, because I know if I don't give it now uh, for Extra Mile, I, I, I'm not going to be obedient, so I need to do it now. Can I come in tomorrow and just bring it? It was in the middle of the week. I said, dude, come on in, whatever you need. But it was just he had to be obedient. It seemed crazy to him, but he had to act now. And so I don't know what God's telling you to do. I don't know what seems crazy that seems almost like, wait, what? But here's what happens. Here's what happens when we actually obey God and the things that seem crazy. Here's what he says. This happens later in John 15. We'll get to it maybe in like Easter. I don't know. We'll see when we get there someday. Um, but he said this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Check this out. Where might you not be experiencing the joy of the Lord because you're not being obedient? You potentially could be missing out because you're not doing the crazy thing that God might be asking you to do. Man, don't miss out on the joy that he has for you. Let's keep going now. We're going to read through this whole section. This is crazy stuff here. Unbelievable story. So again, the man gets his sight for the very first time. This is the same day, okay? It says this. So then the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is not this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, yo, I'm the man. Like, I, I know, like, I'm him. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and he anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to Salome and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, well, where is he? And he said, I don't know. I was blind, you know, like, how am I supposed to know, right? Um, then, they, then they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind, so they bring him to the Pharisees. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened up his eyes, so now they're all mad at him for that. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, literally for the tenth time, he put mud on my eyes, and he washed, and check it out, I see. So some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was this division amongst them. And so then they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, 
He's a prophet. And the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. So then check out what they do. They call in his parents. They call in mommy and daddy until they call the parents of the man who had received his sight. It continues. And they ask them, is this your son who, who you say was born blind? Then how does he see? And his parents answered, well, we don't know, or we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we don't know, nor do we know who opened up his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. And so his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. This poor guy. He literally can see. I mean, imagine how overwhelming. I mean, he literally, come on. He literally washed his eyes in the water, seeing his reflection for the first time. He had an image of what he looked like. I don't know if he was happy with what he saw or not. We don't know. Then he's stepping back and he's looking at the green of the grass and the trees. That's what a tree looks like. The blue of the sky. Oh my goodness. I mean, he's just so overwhelmed by it. Then he's seeing his parents for the very first time. Their face of his, of his picturing what his mama looked like and what his dad looked like. And now he's on trial. They got him on trial. They don't believe him. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And it's like right in front of everyone's face and no one is believing it. It doesn't take much to see that this man has been legitimately healed, but these Pharisees refuse to believe it. Which brings up another blind spot check for us. Don't be blind to believing don't be blind to believing. Now, when we think about believing, I want to put it into two camps today. Okay, here's, here's two camps. We can believe passively, which is, or we can believe actively. Okay, believing passively is like, yeah, I believe it, but it's not really important enough for me to change anything. Okay, it's kind of, I believe actively, we order our lives around them. I believe it so much that I'm going to rearrange and order my life around it. Okay, so, like, if I were to just take this section right here in the room and say, okay, um, do y'all believe that donuts are bad for your health? Yeah, pretty much, right? Are you gonna, now, if I take the same group and I say, are carrots good for your health? Right? You're all, yes, of course, yeah. Right. We're all on the same page? Yeah, okay. If we were to take all of you and put you in another room over here for a few hours and we brought in some carrots... And then we brought in some like really awesome homemade baked, you know, bakery good, you know, from the Livonia Bakery, whatever it is, just put them all on the table. Would you guys still be in a unanimous decision of, of are carrots and donuts good? Maybe we see some differences of who really is truly believing that statement or not so much believing that statement. You get the point. The Pharisees were passively believing in God. But they were actively believing in their wealth and their prestige and in their honor. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps on the scene and he's threatening all of that. And so they're all up in the air. And so for us, when it comes to our belief system, where might some of our beliefs need to be active that are actually passive? Put this through the lens of what would your spouse say your beliefs are passively or actively? That might sting a little. Or your children, when it comes to your belief system, what would your children say? 
What would your coworkers say? What would your employer say? Now, I'm not trying to like make us all feel bad or guilty. Listen, this is part of the journey of moving towards God. But it's what we do with it. It's like, okay, I know I'm supposed to believe this actively, but I'm actually believing it passively. I identify that blind spot. Now I'm going to repent of it. Jesus is faithful to forgive me of it. Now help me shift that. It's just us identifying that blind spot and then being humble enough to identify it and do something about it. Where might there be a belief that's passive in your life that needs to be active? Then it continues. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And here's what he answered. Whether he is a sinner, notice this, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open up your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? I love this. Do you also want to become one of his disciples? I mean, just, I love this guy. And so then they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, why this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man more born blind. True. This is the first occurrence of all of history. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. Can we just talk about the incredible boldness of this man? Literally the morning he was sitting blind at the gate begging to literally standing before religious leaders sharing boldly his story of how Jesus made him see. Come on. This wasn't a seminary grad. This wasn't a scholar. Which brings up another blind spot for us that we got to check. Don't be blind to proclaiming, right? Don't be blind to sharing the truth of God's word to other people, to share your, your story. And listen, I know it can be hard. It's one of our seven to share our faith with others, to share the hope of Jesus to others. It can be so difficult. Some of you were around family members this week and you had your chance, but you chickened out. I get it, man. Family's tough. It is so hard to share your faith with family sometimes, right? But, you know, a lot of times when it comes to sharing our faith, I always hear this because I struggle with this too, is here's one of the main reasons that keeps you from sharing your faith. Here it is, ready? What if they ask me a question that I don't know? Newsflash, that will always happen. To this day, I get questions. I'm like, that's a really good question. Let's go figure it out together. When you... What did the blind guy say? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is I was blind, but now I see. So in the same way, when someone asks us a question, we humbly say, I don't know. Which, by the way, people like that because it shows your humility because people don't like a know-it-all, right? 
I don't know. But then instead of just being timid with, I don't know, it's, I don't know, but let me tell you what I do know. And you share the excitement of how Jesus has made you see. You share your story. Whether they like it or not, they hear the excitement of how God has changed your life. And that has so much power, more than you could ever imagine. Listen, you might be spending Christmas with them. Isn't it funny? Sometimes extended family, you, you, you see each other on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that's the only time of the year. It's like, holy smokes, what a month. You know, we get together, see each other twice. Maybe you missed out on this opportunity. Maybe begin praying that God would give you the courage to share how God has changed your life this Christmas to that family member. Last section. We made it, guys. We made it all the way through chapter 9, and I got a minute and 30 seconds. Here we go. I love this. So Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found, I I just, I love this. I should have highlighted this. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him. Come on, right? Jesus is a busy man. God of the universe on the planet. Here's how he was cast out and he goes and hunts him down. That's the kind of God we worship. Do you believe in the son of man? He answered. And he said, well, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Tell me. And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And so he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And then Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see me may see, and those who see me may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Reminding us that Jesus came to physically heal the blind. But more importantly, Jesus came to spiritually heal the blind. And this morning as I was praying through this text, I was just so overwhelmed. I spiritually see I was blind, but the God of the universe opened up my eyes. It's unbelievable. Like, think about this. I gotta embrace this. Like, this is so powerful. Some of you, in the last year, God has spiritually opened up your eyes and you're just like, holy smokes, right? It's unbelievable. Some of you, though, are like me, and God opened up your eyes spiritually at a young age. Maybe you were seven. Maybe you were 10. Can you just take a moment right now and just be thankful that God spiritually opened up your eyes? Like, why you? Why me? I mean, it's just unbelievable. I think about like parents right now who are every week bringing your kids down to Kids City, investing in them. Praise God for you. Investing in your little ones so that they can hear the truth and that their eyes would be spiritually open one day to Jesus. I just was in the hallway over here, and when I see these kids running down the hallway with their Bibles in the air, it's just the best thing in the world. It's just unbelievable. Devin, you can clap for that. That's amazing. That is unbelievable. So I just want to encourage you. Maybe that's become like 
white noise to you. Embrace, man, for some reason, God has opened up your eyes and why you and not someone else. And so embrace that. And so I don't know what blind spots you might have in your life. I don't know where that's at. Maybe for you, you're all the way back to the blind beggar sitting at the gate and your eyes have never been opened by Jesus. How do you open up your eyes? He made it really simple through your belief. And so if you haven't had your eyes opened spiritually by Jesus, let today be the day through your belief. And so I'm just going to ask us all, everyone to bow our heads and close our eyes. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes and we keep moving towards God, I just want to talk to people in the room that your eyes have already been spiritually opened by God. Maybe that was last year. Maybe that was 40 years ago. Where's your blind spot today? Come on, we all got them. Where might you be ignoring the people that you could be helping that are suffering? And take some more time to listen to them. Instead of being annoyed, be overjoyed. Where might you be avoiding God where he's asking you to do something that seems crazy? Where might you be delaying in obedience? Check that blind spot. Maybe um, there's something in your belief system that's passive that you know needs to be active. Check that blind spot. Or maybe there's someone that you know you need to speak up to and share how God has changed your life and that you'd ask God to give you the courage over that fear. Whatever your blind spot is, pick one. And in this moment, I just want to ask you to not waste it and just to talk to God about that blind spot to him. He's all ears. Now, as you talk about that, there's some others of you in the room that if you're honest, you've never had Jesus spiritually open up your eyes. And you so badly want that today. You don't understand it all, but you want to put your faith in Jesus today. I want to remind you, he loves you so much. That's why he came to this earth. And he came to show you how much he loved you by dying on a cross. Why? Because you and I have a sin problem that separates us from God. So he paid the penalty so you didn't have to. And then three days later, proved that he was God by rising from the dead. And he made it very clear that all who call upon his name will be saved. And so through your belief, not your behavior, but through your belief, you can be saved. And so if that's you, I'm going to lead you through a prayer right now. You pray this in the quietness of your heart. You just say right now, I'm going to guide you. You just say, Father, I know I'm blind. But today, I want to see. Tell him that. I know I'm blind. But today, I want to see. Forgive me of my sin. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Then just with gratitude, say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. And then say this, right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. Just say that. I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. As we continue to pray, if you truly meant that, may you be reminded today that you will no longer walk in blindness for your eternity, but now your eyes will be open to a whole new world. And that life starts now throughout your entire eternity. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Father, we love you. You are so good. You are so kind. Thank you for being our great shepherd. Thank you for opening up our eyes. It's unbelievable. Thank you. 
We love you and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Can we give it up for people who put their faith in Jesus? Their eyes have been opened for the very first time. That's so incredible. That's so unbelievable. Listen, if you made that decision to put your faith in Jesus, please, I beg you to do one more thing. Tell someone. Don't walk alone. You can text us. You can grab one of us. Grab one of our team members with the lanyard on. Let us know of the decision because we want to celebrate with you the best decision of your life. Scripture says there's a party going up in heaven right now. Angels are rejoicing because your soul has been saved. And that is amazing. Mark this date down for your life.